Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. This week, Matt welcomes Bunny Buxom, a burlesque producer, performer, singer, and activist hailing from Queens, New York. Producer of many shows in the New York area, including Talons and Tees, Resistance, and Rabbit Hole Presents, Bunny chats about her earliest memories involving the pursuit of burlesque and her transition into making it a full-time career. She describes the origins of Rabbit Hole Productions and explains how important it was for her to create a space that promoted feminism, body positivity, and equality. She also chats about how she got involved with the Pink Room Burlesque and her upcoming wrestling-inspired show on July 7th called Tasselmania. And so, from these stories to the special tale of what it's like to be upstaged by her sphinx cat Roger, here's presenting Matt Storm and Bunny Buxom. And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. My guest this week is the incredible and wonderful Bunny Buxom. Thank you for joining me, Bunny. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm excited. I've been wanting to have you on for a really long time, actually, because I feel like in the burlesque community, like, in my frame of reference, you didn't exist, and then you were everywhere. There was, like, no in-between. It was literally, I met you once and then saw you in everything. That's kind of how I feel, too. Um, and, uh, I, of course, met you from the, um, despicable and awful Shay for the Dark Lord. Oh, he's the worst. He is fucking terrible. <laughs> but at least we're, you know, but I would also say it to your face, Shay Her. I love you. Um, so I did meet you through him, and, um, I was delighted to see you perform, and you're, uh, I, I enjoyed your aesthetic and your performance since the beginning, but then I feel like I blinked and you had your own show already, and then you were producing, <laughs> and then you were doing everything. Um, yeah. Was the goal always to go from performer to producer, or did you start as a performer and have no intention of producing initially? Oh, I had no interest in producing when I first started. I People were trying to get me to produce when I first started first first started and I was like no that doesn't seem like it's for me I don't want to do that that's too much responsibility and uh you know a couple years later I was like this is the thing I want to do um it started as like I don't want to try to create a following for a show unless I have a following for myself personally right and also just like intimidation because like that's a big job it's like a hard job um but I ended up working with Johnny Porkby. He kind of mm-hmm. took me under his wing as associate producer. And I took a bunch of classes at School of Burlesque with Calamity Chang, how to produce with her. And I picked the brains of a bunch of other producers I really liked. Like, you know, Joe Booswaldon has even produced a bunch of shows. She yep. gave me a couple of pointers. So through all of them, I was like, uh, let me just, let me give this a try. Let me, like, do it with a safety net. And um, after that one show, I was hooked and was like, this has to be a thing that I'm going to do. She says, you know, three shows later, four three shows, shows later. Yeah, it's, it's been a thing now. So I've been producing um, regularly for about three years. And how long have you been performing for? A little over five. five. It's like okay. five and a half. My anniversary is in December. Oh, awesome. Uh, so yeah, I've been producing for about the same, like three years. Um, and now I have two monthly shows, a quarterly show, and then I kind of do some one-offs here and there, yeah. <laughs> like you do. Uh, but up until the beginning of this year, I just had the one monthly, and that was sustainable. 
but then this year I was like, more! <laughs> yeah, of course. And now I'm drowning in it and I love it. <laughs> I mean, it also doesn't help that you like to produce based on either your interests or current events or what you're going through. And, like, um, because of when this is coming out, I think a good show to talk about first is your... Coney Island show that I'm DJing. Yes. The wrestling show you're yes. doing. Yes, Tasselmania. So Tasselmania, the funny thing to me about Tasselmania and, and you and Schaefer's love of you getting into wrestling through Schaefer and Schaefer returning to loving wrestling is that I was, like him, loved wrestling when I was younger and then mm. fell out of it. But to watch the two of you on the internet spaz <laughs> about the new WWE actually makes me want to watch it because you're just having so much fun with it. Yeah. And and when you said, oh, maybe I'll do a wrestling show. I think we were at the Bell House after a show once and the three yeah. of us were talking and you're like, maybe I'll do a wrestling show a month later. I'm doing a wrestling yeah, show. Yeah, that's it's totally like, what happened. <laughs> I do this thing where I get interested in something and then I want everything to do with it. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I want to do a show about it. I want to do it if I'm not doing it already. Like that kind of you know, physically. Um, yeah, wrestling. So Schaefer, my partner, um, he used to love it when he was younger and uh, kind of fell out of it, but was working on an album with someone writing a wrestling song. Mm -hmm. So for his birthday, I was like, let me just get him tickets to WWE. Like, that'd be fun. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've literally never watched it before going with him because I wasn't allowed to when I was younger because oh, really? my parents thought it was too violent. So that's funny. Um, and we went to the one at, it was at Madison Square Garden the day after Christmas, and I was like, how have I been missing this? <laughs> This is the burlesque of sports. It really is. It's incredible, and I I just fell like headfirst into it. You know, accompanied by him as well because sure. he was. Well, I'm sure he was super excited that yeah. you were into it also. <laughs> like, yay, someone to share this with. Yeah, so if you ever want to know what we're doing on a Monday and Tuesday, it's watching, watching Raw us. and SmackDown. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was super fun that you wanted to do that. And what's cool about the show is you're actually created matchups, right, for it? Yeah, it is going to be an actual tournament-style show. Uh, so there's going to be eight performers and four acts in the first set. Two performers... Can competing, uh, performing to one song uh -huh. together at the same time, and then audience round of applause as to who won, who will go on to the acts after intermission that will all be tournament style to win the <clears throat> Intercontinental Championship. Because the fact that you have a belt with an actual tassel on it kills me. Yeah. It's amazing. I made it. I'm really proud of it. Um, and I think the name Intercontinental is hysterical because... Yeah, of course. There you go. Yeah, of course. I can say cunt on this, right? Sure. Well, we, yeah, I've had other people curse on the show before, so it, that's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really great idea. And it's funny, you say it's the burlesque of sports, and it never like that never occurred to me as a kid because I never knew burlesque. And then when I got involved in burlesque, and it felt very natural to me. I was like, gee, I wonder why I understand this art so much and then I realized oh because it's showy performance oh yeah and like what really made me realize it is some of the performers like Chris Harder or um, or Mr. Gorgeous who are these physical specimens who also do physical stuff like lifting people and moving stuff yeah. and push ups and all this stuff and I'm like oh yeah hey how about yeah. that that's like not so different from like for instance uh, Brazango, which is Tyler Breeze and Fandango, they're like these two hunky guys, and they're things that they're like models and like yeah. the fashion police. And I'm not a fan, but whatever. I think their <laughs> shtick is cute because they come out and they like take selfies and do all this stuff. And they especially are so burlesque to me because yeah. they like play to the audience and they yeah. vamp so much and they're always doing like these funny little skits backstage. Like, so those two in particular, I feel like are very burlesque. But in general, I mean, 
like going back to like Macho Man. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. Boas. Yeah. Boas and sequins. Yeah. And now all the women, like all the, the female superstars, have rhinestones all over right. their costumes. It's, yeah. It's just. Well, the thing about the female stars now is that I appreciate that they're actually. F- uh, a physical women who are great wrestlers because yeah. when I when the the women's side of it really started in the WWE there were some who were really great wrestlers but a lot of them were kind of showy or just kind of performers and not necessarily physical and like I like that now it's really about sportsmanship as well yeah. and it's really cool to watch yeah it's been dubbed the divas revolution although now yeah. they're not called divas they're just called superstars because that's what they are because the WWE seems to actually be really good about sexism and I appreciate that I, I can promise that <laughs> That's probably a newer thing. No, I don't yeah, know it's, it's I don't think it's always been that way. It definitely seems to be newer, like definitely yeah. the past couple of years. But it's progress, and no, for uh, sure. The women actually are getting their first ladders match soon. That's awesome. Which is going to be epic. That's really cool. (laughs) So I'm excited. Um, Before I lose all of my listeners who don't like wrestling and turn off the podcast, let's uh, shift it back to you a bit. So so you started burlesque about five years ago. Mm. Um, You know, and I've had a ton of burlesque performers on, and of course none of them intended to go into burlesque. Like, that wasn't something they always aspired to. It's something they discovered later. Is that something that you always wanted to do, or at least something theatrical, or uh, did you not really learn about it till later on? Well, I always wanted to be a stripper. <laughs> Interesting. I was like a really like naked child, <laughs> <laughs> just a really naked person, uh, and I saw the beginning of the movie Striptease when I was younger, like mm, the opening credits yeah. in the club, and like that was the only part I saw that about of that movie, and I was like, that looks amazing. I want to do that. That looks like so much fun. And then years later, I continued that aspiration. Like, yeah. at some point in my life, I'm going to take my clothes off in public. Uh, and in college, I got really into pinup culture and, like, that aesthetic, which led me to Dita Von Tees, which led me to burlesque. And as soon as I turned 21, I went to the New York School of Burlesque and was like, hi, I want to do this. Um, teach me your ways. Teaching your ways. <laughs> and uh, a couple months later, I was making my debut. So it was all a that's pretty awesome. pretty quick turnaround. That's that's interesting to me because like a lot of my experience has been it's either theater related or like there's an interest in it, but it wasn't like I've always wanted to do it. So that's really cool that you've kind of always been interested in doing that. I think that's really neat. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fun, and I kind of feel like I've fulfilled my own prophecy in a way. Like I get paid to be naked in public, and like. Six-year-old me is high-fiving me a million times. <laughs> yeah, it's one, it's one of those things where if I could tell 13-year-old me that I was going to hang out with really awesome naked men and women, right? I was like, oh, that's a thing I can do? It's so cool. Yeah. It's a really cool job. It, it really is. Um, and I've loved being a part of the scene. Uh, both ups and downs aside, like, it's just... There's something about the community and when you find the people that you really connect with that Mm -hmm. it gives you this kind of strength that I haven't found in any other art. And I'm sure it's Mm -hmm. there and the community is there. Um, I've sometimes likened it to the nerdcore community because musically I've related to a lot of the artists in that scene because I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. Shocker. But like burlesque is one of those things where I feel like when you find the people that you click with, which... Who, however many people that is, you've got this kind of uh, safety net of people who care about you and support you. And I think mm-hmm. it's really great to have. Yeah. I, I feel like I've made a lot of lasting friendships in burlesque, so that's been been really helpful. Especially wanting to keep growing and progressing. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have people who do the same thing as you who could be like, that was awesome, or like, that was bullshit. <laughs> and like, help you figure it out. Sure. Um, because I think the outside eye is also important, but not as important as like people who do it themselves. Because yeah. they like they know the craft and they know what's 
physically possible mm-hmm. to, in some regard. Um, so yeah, it has been it has been really helpful to have such a tight knit community in some ways, and a worldwide community. Like, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, yeah. I never realized how big the community was because. You know, I've lived in New York my whole life, and I got into the community through New York. But, like, at the last couple of Nerd Less Fests, meeting all of these performers from all over the world yeah. who do this regularly is crazy to me. Like, yeah. And thank God for social media, because some of the people I th- feel closest to are forever so away. far away. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I could just, like, email you and be like, hey... Hey, what's talk up? about this. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Like, I got really close with Dale Stones at the most recent Nerdless Fest. We chatted for quite a bit. And then I'm like, oh, but now you're just going to go back to Boston and leave me forever. Aww. You know, or like Lucky Charming, who used to be in New York, who knows my wife as well. Like, every time he comes in, we have a great time. And I'm like, oh, fuck, but you're going to go away. Yeah. Like, and then come back. But so it, it's been really cool. I haven't gotten to travel as much with Burlesque because there's not really that much call for a DJ in other places mm-hmm. yet anyway. Um, but um, did you always know that you'd be a traveling showgirl as well? Or did is that something that kind of came to light as you performed? I think that came to light as I started performing because that wasn't really my intention because right. I actually don't enjoy traveling that much. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a homebody and I like get travel anxiety, <laughs> uh, which is funny because I'm like going to New Orleans literally next week. Um but like that's part of what I want to do, and that's part of the business aspect of it. Because although it is a community, I still feel like it's a it's a business. Like oh, this yeah, is sure. a profession. You make money. It mm-hmm. should be seen as such. So like part of being su- successful in this business, at least on my end, is that I want to be known in places other than New York. Yeah. And I want to solidify that by going there and performing and mm-hmm. being like, oh, those things you heard, they were true. Hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those listening, she did actually do a hair flip. So, you know, that, that, that actually happened. Um, what I like about your producing style, too, I mean, I've worked with quite a few producers in the industry, and I enjoy all of them. But what I like about your style specifically is that the way you kind of curate a show is really designed to just bring the audience in in whatever way you see fit whether it's Mm -hmm. your show resistance where it's about waking people up or getting people's attention or something like your britney spears show which is more or less just to be as ridiculous as possible um you know or stuff like that like and and that you're not afraid to also take on themes that you feel like well maybe no one maybe nobody thought to do a britney spears show but i'm gonna do one because i like her songs and a ton of people like her her songs and then it ends up you have people in the audience singing along to the tracks people are stripping to oh god it's so wonderful when that happens it was it, it's crazy and and so for a show like the britney spears show for example do you just sit there one day and think i love britney spears so i want to do a show about britney spears or does it come from like talking to performers finding out a lot of people are into it what's the no. process for creating a show like that i mean for me it's very selfish <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i like it so other people must um the britney spears show in particular and and shows that like i find that I wouldn't necessarily say I produce nerdlesque shows right. because that seems to be more like, uh, pop, well, pop, video game pop yeah. culture themed or right. like comic book and TV, that kind of stuff. I produce more themes based on like music, I guess, like mm-hmm. Britney and Spice Girls mm-hmm. and Lady Gaga. And mm-hmm. I think the closest I've gotten to to what I would consider nerdlesque is uh, Nickelodeon, right. the Nickelodeon show. Which was also uh, fantastic. Which is awesome. <laughs> That's one of my favorite shows. So I think that this comes about from me being like, I like this thing, and, uh, and then trying to find performers who do <laughs> acts based on that. Yeah. Because well, with some things, particularly the Nickelodeon show, yeah. it's like, uh, all right, I know four people. I still need to book 
or other. <laughs> so that's, sure. been, that's been a thing. Well, that's also interesting because, like, I remember, I think one of the first shows I did sound for you for, you did a life and death show, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And and it, that was just a concept of acts based on, like, it, I think it was either just death or life and death. It I was love, sex, and oh, death. Oh, love, sex, and death. Right. And, like, I thought that was really cool. Like, yeah. you you and Schaefer, you stripped to one of Schaefer's songs, but did a burlesque duet, not with you both singing, but with you stripping and him singing, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Yeah. He rapped and we both stripped. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you both stripped. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I did see his yeah. crocs that because night. Part, yeah, yes, you yes, did. I did. We all did. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, I thought that was kind of a brilliant mix, because, like, you know, I've seen him host plenty of shows, and you know he's stripped at some of them but to actually do a burlesque duet where you're yeah. both stripping is well, really cool thanks i mean that show was really fun for me too um part of my burlesque philosophy so like rabbit hole productions is body positive sex positive feminist burlesque and the mission statement is to create high quality under like entertainment through those particular lenses right so i have kind of guidelines in my head of what i think is a feminist burlesque show and mm-hmm. part of that is that i don't really book male hosts right because i feel like it perpetuates a harem trope and of course. if i do book a male host uh they strip yeah and they have to wear pasties because the female performers have to wear pasties of as course. well so this particular show i mean it's kind of hard not to book my partner for that in particular right. to host it because like love, sex, and death, and like he de- we're, I, we're creeps, like yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he stripped. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's really it's, <laughs> like, it's really cool. Well, it's also someone who came to his stuff through and a friendship with him through his music, and knowing that he was involved in the burlesque scene, but not really knowing until after I'd gotten to know him a while to see. You and him, who I'd been friends with at that point, stripped together, mm-hmm. was just a really cool experience. Because I've not witnessed that before, really. A couple that I know in burlesque who strips together. Yeah. And I thought that was a really neat thing. I like it. <laughs> um, speaking of music a little bit, because you are featured on his last EP, Sex mm-hmm. Rhymes. Um, did you always have an interest in singing as well? Or is that something that you kind of came to later as well? Um, Since you were a lifelong stripper devotee, (laughs) I was wondering if singing is a thing that also you always wanted to do, or you dabbled with, or you kind of came to later. Um, I guess I kind of, like, came to it later. It's not necessarily an aspiration. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it, and I like singing karaoke, and I like Mm -hmm. singing in the shower, and all that. Uh, But it was never something where I wanted to be on stage just singing. Right. Um... Yeah, that seems to have come, come about in the past like couple of years. Just like being like, hey, this is fun to do and I kind of want to do it while I'm stripping, which is right. another show I did, or uh, with my partner, or yeah. maybe I'll just like go to karaoke more. Like it's it's fun, but it's not something I necessarily would put on my resume sure. as <laughs> something I do. Like I, I like I feel like I pretend to sing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, but but. I feel like that's not true because, like, so the, the one of them, also my favorite shows that you've done, and I'm going to continue to gush a little bit about it, is when you had partners on your show and had them swap oh and do God, each other's that act. that show was great. And so, like, but for you and Schaefer, I think, I think at the time I might not have seen him strip yet, but so, like, you came out dressed as him and did uh, a lot like me mm-hmm. and rapped his rap song, which was... Yes. Awesome. And then he came out in your bunny outfit and did your bunny act. Yes. Um, <laughs> did that come from you just wanting to make, make your partner strip out of a bunny outfit? Or or, or <laughs> did, did like, 
is that something you'd heard about before or just an idea you had? Like, I'm curious where something like that comes from, where it's just so different. I think that also came from from being like, men need to take their clothes off. Um, <laughs> I, it was probably a combination of things. I probably wanted Schaefer to strip more, mm-hmm. or I guess at all at that point. Um, I I liked all those couples and was like, this would be fun. Like, let's trade. Yeah. Because that just seems like a funny act. And it's not, I don't think that's a show that a lot of non-performers would go to. That's right. a very, like, masturbatory it's a, show. It's an in-joke show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be like, come to the show and watch us do each other's signature acts because you know we're a couple. Like, unless yeah. you follow people online, like, you really, it's, it's yeah. not that obvious. So, yeah, that was a very, like, niche to the Rulas Community show. Um, I also find that I... Sometimes I'm really good at, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding like so full of myself. Oh, stop. I feel like if I listen to a song like once or twice, I know most of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll troll Schaefer by <laughs> saying his lyrics to him conversationally. Does uh, he always get it? No. <laughs> takes That's a, amazing. It some, takes a minute sometimes. That's excellent. He's got a lot of songs. Um, he, he does, it's true. So part of that, I think, also was me kind of like trying to test myself mm-hmm. and being like but can you actually rap a whole song in front of people and yeah. like do it correctly and like not get out of breath i think that was also a show that again selfishly i was like i just want to see if i can <laughs> <laughs> so but i feel like that's a great drive to have like if you just do stuff because you want to see if you can do it i mean that's kind of the point of art sometimes is to just yeah. test yourself that's true that's true uh recently i sang at uh, another show Called Yes, All Men. Uh, oh, yes. I remember seeing the promos <laughs> for that. I was so sad to miss that show, but it had some of my favorite men in it. It's, yeah, it's had some of my favorite men in it, too. Uh, it was great because that was, again, based off like the idea of harem tropes and uh, male hosts and male producers mm-hmm. and just the language that they use that often objectifies female performers. Sure. So I spent most of the show making dick jokes and talking about how wet my pussy was because that's what a dude would do. Be like, oh, my dick. Um, so I did that and I opened the show with a song, um, Where the Boys Are, because I thought that that was hysterical. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, and and because, again, I feel like a lot of non-stripping hosts will sing. So I was just kind of like... Yeah. Trolling everyone, I guess, with that one. Yeah, but that sure. was a great show, and I feel, uh, I feel really good about producing that one in particular because promoing that was fun, and I got to kind of like point out to people who still produce and host in that way, like yeah. this is how ridiculous you sound. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah, and I mean the photo shoot for that, I remember seeing flying around was great. I mean, first of all, for you to have Tigger on a leash. Which was his idea. Of course it was his idea. Because he's Tigger and he's brilliant. He showed up for the photo shoot and was like, I'm naked, but I bought this. And I was like, "Mm." (sighs) Yeah, he's the best. Always leveling up, which is why he's freaking Tigger. He's a living legend. Yeah. It's funny, I forget that sometimes. Because, like, I met him through Asabasco and he's always been super sweet to me. And the fact that he knows who I am at all is amazing to me. But then, like, I'll talk to friends who work in theater outside of burlesque, but who have worked with him Mm -hmm. doing drag stuff or whatever else. And I'll mention his name casually, and they'll go, you know Tigger? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Hey, he's a rock star. Like, and that's so cool to me. <laughs> it's like, so cool, yeah. It, it really is. I mean, but I still get, like, I get anxious talking to some performer producers just because I know, first of all, I know what they mean to me, and also I just know what they mean to the scene. And, like, it's hard to not look at them that way sometimes, yeah. you know, because they're so impactful. Um, 
But I feel like I could say the same for you. As a DJ, you've always made me feel supported and welcome at the show. You've always um, made me feel included. I never felt like... Oh, well, you are. You're, you're such a big part of the show. Well, you... Without you, we wouldn't have anything to dance to. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> like you run the show. But you know what it is? Is I find it interesting because there are some shows that are just designed like shows are designed to promote the performers and the hosts. That's that's who you're there to see. Mm-hmm. But like you make the support staff, the staff working at the venue, like everybody feel welcome. The audience, everybody, and it seems very important to you. So thank you, I appreciate that. I definitely strive to do that because I think that is important. Like. We wouldn't be doing a show without the venue. We wouldn't yeah. have sound without the sound person. We wouldn't be able to take money at the door without the door person. Like, yeah. all those things are important. And I think, um, like, the producer has to make everyone feel good and welcome yeah. there. I also feel very strongly about having a safe space mm-hmm. and having performers feel like they're in a safe space. Sure. It's one thing for you to say. It's another thing for it to be it. Right. So I want everyone to feel comfortable. I want everyone to feel supported. And like if something is wrong, they could just tell me. And I don't want anyone to be me as, um, you know, like aggressive or mean in any mm-hmm. way. Like I could be running around busy and still doing my thing. But if you have a problem, I want you to be able to approach me. Sure. So that's really important to me. And I think uh, just making everyone feel important is part of that. And yeah. everyone is important. Sure. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, some of the other troops you've worked with because I've worked with you in them as well, like mm-hmm. Pink Room mm-hmm. um, with our our wonderful friend, Seen the Lucid Dream, who will be a future guest on this show. Yay. Uh Come hell or high water, I will have her on here. <laughs> but, um, like, did you always have an interest in doing Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks-related stuff? Is that something you discovered later on? Because, like, for me, I watched Twin Peaks when I was younger, but I didn't remember a lot of the bizarreness until later. And then I think it was... Somebody recommended me to Francine. It might have been Dolly Debutant on the on the forum. Because she was looking for a DJ. Mm-hmm. And I met Francine. And I, I hadn't watched... Fire, I think the first show I did was Fire Walk With Me Burlesque. Mm-hmm. Which I think is when you did your act that still gives me nightmares. <laughs> Ronette, yeah. You're Ronette. Horrible. Um, and, <laughs> and I hadn't watched it in a while. So I re-watched Fire Walk With Me that week and was like what the fuck is this movie about? Like, I just didn't remember any of it. It was so great. Um, and so I got into, I got into, re-got into Twin Peaks and David Lynch very late because I liked it when I was younger and then rediscovered it. Did you grow up watching any of that stuff or did you come to it later? I was too young when Twin Peaks mm, was on the air. <laughs> I figured as much. Um, but I got into it uh, very recently. I, after I started performing, I... Yeah. Um, Got into it and then started performing with the Pink Room shortly after. Yeah, because it's I I'm focused very much on on Twin Peaks and Fire Walk with Me, and I'm mm-hmm. still kind of getting acclimated to the rest of the David Lynch universe. Sure. Um, I actually just watched. Oh crap! What's it called? I don't know. There's a ton of them. Blue Velvet. No, um, I've seen them. Uh, Dune. No. Um, Dune. I, I fell asleep during Dune. I couldn't. Well, not. Dune is terrible. Like, Dune is terrible. It, a it's Lost awful. Highway. A Lost Highway. Yeah. <laughs> Mind <laughs> fart. Uh, I watched Lost Highway for the first time over the weekend, and I felt like it was a lot like uh, Mulholland Drive, but okay. Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah, I'm still getting getting the rest of his his films under my belt. Um, but Twin Peaks and, and Fire Walk With Me. 
those are my jams. Yeah, I mean mine too. I haven't seen the new series yet. Um, hopefully soon. <gasps> oh, I know. you gotta! I know we don't have Showtime. We're we're uh, cord cutters, so I have to figure see, out who whose house we're gonna go crash to watch it. Yeah. But um, but going back to um, the reason I bring up Pink Room Burlesque and Francine, other than to plug her because I adore her, is you now do a three person act with her and Minx Arcana mm-hmm. um, as the Pink Room Dreams, which yes. I saw for the first time this year. And it was in the Nerdless Festival this year. When creating an act with three people, does it start with one person's idea? Or is it something that you guys collaborated on together from the beginning? Because I know you guys have performed together for a while. Mm -hmm. But is this something that you just kind of workshopped and came to together? Or is it something that someone suggested and the rest jumped in on? Do you really remember? Or did it just kind of naturally come Uh. together? I'm trying to remember now. If if I may, I I mean Francine obviously is the producer. Sure. Uh, I feel like Minx and I are pretty core members, if mm-hmm. I'm allowed to say that. I um, would say so. <laughs> and I think it was Fran's idea to do um, a group number, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I want to do this thing where we're like the schoolgirls of of Twin Peaks, pretty much." Right. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like it was her idea, and Mix and I are just always game for everything Francine right, sure, says because she's got all these great ideas. Oh yeah, and you know they're going to be done well because it's Francine. So we were like, yeah, totally. Um, actually, building the act is kind of everyone though. Yeah, she didn't te- you know make choreography and then teach us. We all did it together as what would work best or like right. what feels more natural for our bodies or like this doesn't look well but this does like that kind of. That kind of stuff. That's very so, cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. it's. I, I'm always interested in group numbers because, <clears throat> you know, I've known burlesque as like a solo performer thing. So when I see duets or groups, it's always fascinating to me because there's so much more to go on. Like I think there was a couple of years ago at Nerdless Fest, there was like a five gr- people group number. And it's like, how do you do that? Like I step on my own foot a lot. <laughs> like I couldn't even imagine. Well, it's hard to do in New York, especially because most shows aren't at venues with large enough stages to right. have more than, I mean, three people at Joe's Pub is is probably the top. Capacity, we're gonna yeah. Because yeah. I, I was well, say, I guess we do do a lot more than that for the opening number, but that's oh, not a yeah. striptease number. Well, yeah, and like, I, like I couldn't see you guys doing that act at the Parkside Lounge, the the, the Pink Room Dreams, just because I feel like that stage is a lot smaller. Yeah. Although I imagine if you re-choreograph it, you could probably make it work on a smaller stage. Probably. I it's, mean, where there's a will, there's a way. Right, that's for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I feel like if, if there's something true about the pink room in general and it's, Francine in general, is there's like a lot of will. So stuff yeah. is going to get done. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, totally. I mean, when Francine emails me and goes, Matt, do you want to be in the music video I'm doing for Schaefer's song, um, a David Lynch movie? I just went, yes. Like, I didn't oh, even yeah. care what she wanted me to do. Um, <laughs> it's the first time I was ever in Central Park after dark, you know, and, and Oh, that all was that. creepy, wasn't it? It yeah. was creepy. Yeah, that was scary. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where I, I've also learned to say yes a lot in the burlesque industry. I feel like you kind of have to in the beginning, you know, because you want to you wanna be able to just do stuff. Yeah. Um, there's, there's like a little bit of a catch-22 with that. Because I course. think when you're a new performer and you just want to be booked everywhere, people are like, I'm doing this theme show. Do you have an act for it? And you say, no, but I can make one. Yeah. And then you end up with a whole bunch of one-offs. Yeah. Um, I did that. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I have a bunch of costumes that I've like never worn again because I made them for shows that... I just wanted to be in. And then because they only got done once, they like weren't that good. Uh, but now I'm like, oh, well, I have this piece from this thing. So <laughs> right, that's towards this costume. Um, but yeah, I think saying yes in general is just always a better option. Yeah. And especially in burlesque because lots of opportunities do come. And a lot of them are like 
scary or intimidating, yeah. especially if you've never done it before, mm-hmm. like a music video. Yeah. Um, but just saying yes is way more fun. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, in, in the last two years, I've been in some capacity involved in like four or five different music videos, which I think is just fun to have as like a thing I can say about yeah, myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, but I think it's it's funny that you talk about the kind of saying yes and the, the the learning how to do stuff. You were talking about your costumes, too. I want to actually go back to that. Do you make all your own costumes for the most part? Parts of them. Parts I, of them. Some things I have had commissioned mm-hmm. um, from Mr. Gorgeous, actually. Of or uh, Manisha Trois. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheeky Cheetah has made a couple of mine. Uh, my mom has made a couple of my costumes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, Waymest, Waymest. Uh, so pretty much every costumer in in new york and a couple beyond have made a couple of my costumes and i i've tried to do things most on my own because mm-hmm. i want to learn and i recently just got a dress form to match my sewing machine so i'm trying to continue to do things on my own cool uh but yeah Burlesque is very, like, do-it-yourself. <laughs> of course, sure. Well, and I feel like even if you're not doing it yourself, you're doing it with some people that you trust who to help you, yeah. you know? And I think that's also part of the community side of it. But that's cool also that you want to learn to do that stuff yourself, too. It's not like, oh, I can't do this, so I'm just going to have other people do it. You actually are looking into ways to doing it to yourself as well, which yeah. I think is cool. Do you have any burlesque uh, act ideas or show ideas that you've shelved because you just couldn't make them happen? <laughs> I love, 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 love The Office. (laughs) (laughs) And I go back and forth about doing an Office show. But I'm like, that show has been off the air for years. I don't think it would matter. I mean, it's if you want to know what's playing when I'm like doing anything costume related, where I'm like rhinestoning, The Office is on in the background. I watch it falling asleep. I watch it when I'm like doing makeup. It's just on all the time. I love it so much. I really want to do that show, but I don't think it would actually have a draw. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want, I just, I would prefer to spend the energy yeah. for making a new act for something that is going to get an audience yeah. at this point in my producing career. No, that makes um, sense. I mean, like, that's the risk reward with creating themed shows is you could really hit or miss with that. Yeah. Like, if you create a show with a theme that nobody's interested in, no one comes. Yeah. And so. Also, I know I mentioned this one to you before. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yes. That yeah. show I want to happen really I know. badly. I just know. <laughs> just because I want to see Schaefer dressed as Gideon, obviously. And I would totally turn up in my bad oh. Scott Pilgrim wig. Yes. Uh, with, the, with the sort of love. And now that I'm blonde, I'm like, ooh, do I want to be Roxy Richter. Ooh, that would be cool. Ooh. I would love that. I would love to see that. Act. That'd be fun. Um, but uh, do you find with shows like that, like for Scott Pilgrim, for example, because I know you've talked about it before, wanting to do it, is it something that you just want to find the right way to do it so you put it off until you can do it the way you want or it's, you don't think it's right for that time or you're worried about the draw? Does um, it depend on what the theme is? I think it depends on what the theme is. And... I guess how badly I want to do it, sure, and and how much I think it'll draw. Yeah, because like I, although Scott Pilgrim does have like a huge cult following, yeah, I don't know of anyone who has access to it either. And yeah. that's the thing. If I'm gonna produce a show, I would at least like to already have like a couple acts in mind, as mm-hmm. opposed to just performers who ideally I would want to do that. Yeah. Um, subsequently, though, like Spice Girls, I knew no one had a Spice Girl act, but I love the Spice Girls. More than Scott Pilgrim, so that happened. Yeah, and, and it's and, happening again, and has happened tw- like oh, twice, twice now, and, and is happening again this year. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's 
that's going to always happen because <laughs> I love the Spice Girls. <laughs> that's fair. Um, do you find that um, the shows that you'll do multiple times are the ones that you see are successful? Do you give ones that maybe weren't as successful the first time another shot? You know, it does depend on, like, what you can get. Or does it really depend on the performers you can get for the show? Uh, I guess it depends on a lot of different things. Some of it is how successful it was. If it's super successful, I'm more likely to do it again. Yeah. If it's not as much, I'm less likely to give it a second chance. Mm-hmm. If it's something I had a lot of fun doing, even though it wasn't that successful, I might try it again. Right. Like, not, like, maybe this year as opposed to last yeah. year from the first year. Yeah. Um, performers, if there's enough of an interest in or people who already have acts or who wanted to make acts before... And I know that I could do the entire show again and not reuse any of the old acts or acts that I've already had, rather. Uh, I might just do that because mm-hmm. I know that there's people who want to do it. Uh, Nickelodeon was like that this year because I did it the first year I was producing and then I did it this year. So it like took a year off. Yeah. Though it was incredibly successful the first time, I just had other ideas and wanted to get them all out before I started repeating. I also don't want to do all the same shows over and over again. Sure. Like I feel like there are some that are like, hits like best of kind of things and to me those are nickelodeon and spice girls like those shows will always happen yeah um and did you for both nickelodeon shows did you do the same act or did you make two different acts i made the same act you did make the same act because i didn't see it the first time i saw it the second time yeah i have an oblina act which is insane to me which i'm actually bringing to new orleans now like now it went from being like a one-off to being something I have gotten booked to do, not only in, in town at a D20 booked it. Of course. Uh, but. <laughs> That's great. But out of town. And I was like, you want my Oblina act? How did you even see that? Uh, so that was cool. Um, I am making a new act this year for Spice Girls. I have been posh the last two years. And this year, I will be baby. Of course you will. Being a blonde now. Being a blonde that, now. That kind of, <laughs> I kind of feel like that has to happen, you know, mm-hmm. now that you've dyed your hair blonde. Well, it's funny to me at the... At the Britney Spears show you showed up blonde and then put on a blonde wig and I was like what are we doing here what like is I already this? bought the wig yeah you know <laughs> but but I thought that was pretty funny um so let's talk now about um your your internet fame being usurped by your pet um Roger the cat if you don't know is it, anyone listening is a sphinx cat um you can find him on Instagram Roger is naked Roger is naked um which is the cat that you and Schaefer own um I don't own a pet, and I know pet Instagrams are really big, and I happen to love your Roger Instagram, um, which I'm assuming you curate. Yes. Since Roger yes. can't curate Roger it. Roger can't curate it. However, I do like to try and post it in his voice. Oh, oh yes, you do. <laughs> like, most of the time when there's a caption, it it, I, it feels Roger-esque just based on his facial expressions. Yeah, he's an incredibly expressive cat. Uh I've had cats most of my life, and I have never had a cat that has as much character as he does. He feels very human. Yeah. Uh, his, like, presence and in his behavior and his facial expressions in particular. And I'm wondering how much of that is because he's a sphinx, and they are just more, um, like, affectionate yeah. than, than other breeds and require more attention. So maybe just as a breed, they're more in your face. Right. Uh, but he's the only one that I've really gotten to know intimately, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so... So I can't really attest to that, but he's he's got a lot of personality. Uh, I actually met someone for the first time once, and they were like, "Oh my God, you're Roger's mom," and I was like, 
Cool. I'm also an award-winning international performer and producer. But no, no, my cat's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's really awesome. I was just joking that he outshined you, but no, that's pretty has. funny. No, he has. He really that's has. That's really funny. Uh, and I'm not, I mean, more power to him, the little yeah. naked guy. <laughs> that's really funny to me. Yeah, I think it's funny because, like, also, like, Sapphire Jones famously breezed the palm. Her dog had not had an Instagram for so long and for now has so one. Long. And I feel like, how did you miss that opportunity for this adorable teddy bear to not have an Instagram? And, yeah. like, now he does. And I follow him, too. Oh, yeah. I follow uh, him and Roger follows him. <laughs> uh, of course Roger does, you know. Um, I feel like they'd be fast friends. Um, but I think it's it's fun. That, that leads me, though, talking about Roger actually leads me to your sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have a really great sense of humor. Thanks. Like, as long as someone's not being a dick. You know? Like, for the most part. <laughs> but, that said, I've also watched you rib some of my favorite people and, like, poke fun, or poke the bear, as it were, like, with Nelson or Schaefer or whoever. And I think that... Yeah, but those guys don't count. I yeah. mean... <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but uh, but I think it's it's really important for you to not take yourself that seriously. And I, I can tell that, like, you do take your art seriously, but you also know when to take the piss out of yourself or or, or anyone around you or whatever. Like, you, yeah. you have a good, lighthearted sense of humor. Does that just come from wanting to be uh, a kinder, lighter, kind of easygoing person? Or I mean, that's hard to say because I don't... I don't remember ever, like, making a decision in my sense of humor (laughs) or personality. I think that's just just kind Kind of of how how I've always been and, yeah, kind of how I am. Um, Yeah, I don't like trying – I don't like being too serious. And Mm -hmm. I do think that a lot of of what I do, I could could make fun of myself for. And, like, a lot of – everyone. Everyone has things that they do that are like, this is ridiculous. Right, of course. that's kind of a color of life, though. Like, that's fun to be, like – Look at the stupid thing I did. Yeah. In an affectionate way. Stupid in an affectionate way. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I haven't had Nasty on this show yet. I've had Nasty on my other podcast. But for those listening, if we call someone stupid or idiot yeah. in the burlesque community, or it's a asshole. compliment. Like, or oh, an asshole. Like, oh, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, like, that's a compliment. Those are compliments. Yeah. yeah. It's affectionate. It means, like, you wowed me and I, like, don't know what to say. That's, yeah. like, kind of what it means when I say it anyway. Like, yeah. that was fantastic. Well, it's like, and you build, but you build those moments of humor also into a lot of your acts, you know. Um, like, one of my favorite favorite acts that I've seen you do so many times now is one of your classic acts but I use classic finger quotes because you do put stuff into it that gives Mm -hmm. it like beats of not necessarily humor but like just freedom like your act where um, you grab your boobs and then you grab your butt and then you grab your belly and it's like it's this is me this is who I am and it's very I feel it's very empowering and it goes back to you wanting to create a positive safe space oh yeah um did that act always have that punchline? Is it something you built in later? Or that's no, just how you designed that? That's always how it's been. That, that act in particular, the song, is also the title of the act, which is Demon Kitty Rag. Right. Uh, it's not an act about a demon kitty. Just <laughs> <laughs> make that distinction. Uh, yeah, it's a classic based costume. It's like a nice dress and it's a corset and everything's rhinestoned and fringe, beaded fringe. Um, but the song itself is very upbeat, and I find that my favorite acts include a lot of musicality, so I try to incorporate as much of that as I can into my own acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I feel like that act is kind of the epitome of like my sense of humor, because everything is like sexy, but also very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, as far as the, I call it manual shaking of the jiggly bits. Yeah. Uh, whenever I'm like, this act is about manual shaking of the jiggly bits. Uh, <laughs> 
for me, that's a moment of body positivity. Like, yeah. those are body positive moves. Like, people think butts are sexy. People think boobs are sexy. Like, bellies are sexy, too. Yeah. Because bodies are sexy. Yes. And, like, curves are sexy. And not curves are sexy. Like, literally, bodies are sexy. What makes it sexy is how you present it and how you handle it. Mm-hmm. So, I love doing that act so much because every single time after I perform it, a woman approaches me from the audience and says you made me feel good about my body because my body looks like your body. Like I like my belly now because you like your belly. And that was great. And like that to me is so important. Yeah. And, and it makes me feel like I'm doing my job right because they were entertained and they were inspired. And in my type of burlesque, which is feminist burlesque, like a woman, I made a woman feel like good about herself. Mm -hmm. And made her accept her body more. And that is, again, so important to me. I try not to create for the male gaze. I try to create more for myself and the mm-hmm. female gaze. Sure. So. Well, that's funny, too, because I, I feel like burlesque is heavily attended by women and is shifting sort of a little bit. You know, there is still plenty that's produced for the male gaze, but I feel like a lot of it, a lot more shows that I go to either have female hosts or female producers or both. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, (laughs) so do I. Like, it's funny because I've done some hosting and I I was asked by a group of women, will you host? And it was one of those things where I was hesitant at first, but it came down to that they felt comfortable with me hosting. Yeah. And it wasn't about me pimping them out or or having that kind of a feel it was more we feel comfortable with you as a man yeah doing this and we want you to well it's like a fine line because right. i'm not i'm not blanket statement against male hosts. of course like i don't want to like yes all men my or not all men myself here but right. like it's not all male hosts <laughs> right of course not <laughs> like there are a lot of male hosts who do it well yeah uh doc wasabasco does it well yeah uh bastard keith does it well like yeah. those are people who go on stage and they speak they're they're a good mouthpiece for yeah. the female performers. Yeah. And you, they're not going out there and exploiting. They're like going out there and saying like you have to respect these people. Like yeah. I've been at at the slipper room when uh, Bastard Keith was hosting and he's been like Bunny's going to come out for tips. Do not touch her. And it's like that's important to yeah, say. Sure. Because some other host may be like, "Ah, oh, give her 20 and she'll let you do whatever" because they think it's part of like a it's their shtick. But yeah. I'm like that's not funny. No, it's not because okay. <laughs> consent like yes. no consent is important you can't buy it with a bill um, so I, I do appreciate those those male hosts and those male producers who who I feel like have the same values as I do for my shows sure and those are shows I like performing in I mean that sounds great to me <laughs> um, has burlesque ruined music for you forever <laughs> Because uh... I feel, because I feel like I've asked a lot of performers this, like the age-old question of does a song inspire an act or an act inspire a song. But like I find, as someone who hasn't even performed yet, with an asterisk, because who knows when that'll happen. Yes, um, I'm gonna uh, totally book you in a rabbit hole show uh, just so, just so I can prepare. <laughs> um, uh, let me take some classes first. I feel yes, like I well, need to learn some more. Good idea. Yeah. Um, but um, like I can't listen to certain songs and not go. Oh, if I could do an act to this or what would an act look like to this so like do you hear songs and then instantly your brain just starts to spin wheels about like how that would work with acts yeah yeah I uh I definitely think that's the case now I love music I enjoy music I listen to music all day every day um but there are songs that suddenly come on and I'm like oh this would be great with this and like that sounds like a glove peel because like (laughs) that's how I put an act together is I I usually get inspired for a costume and I like build a costume and Mm -hmm. then I have a whole list of songs that I've wanted to make acts to from doing that, just hearing songs on the radio or on Pandora and being like, Ooh, this sounds great. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out 
how the song tells the costume to come off. Sure. Like some things sound like love peels and some right. things sound like boob shakes. Right. So <laughs> totally. Um, I wouldn't say it's ruined music. I would say it has <laughs> enhanced it. <laughs> it has. It's. I guess it's enhanced it. It's given it kind of a level up of now. I'm not just listening for enjoyment. Now mm-hmm. I'm also listening for, for like business and mm-hmm. entertainment. Are there any artists that you go to more than others for acts, or is it just kind of a gamut of whatever whatever you're listening to? I try not to use two songs by the same artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like my performance style to be eclectic. Sure. Which makes it then hard to be like, this is my style, because I think everything is so different. Do you find it's um, hard to define your style? A little bit, because I'd like to think that Demon Kitty Rag is my style, but that's like one of the only acts I have that is that the kind of energy yeah, or like sure. it's like that same kind of vibe right like I have a, my bunny act is that kind of vibe I guess but yeah. it's not that same kind of style yeah. so it's hard to say I would define my style though as um as like it's kind of body positive and it's, it's like sexy mm-hmm. but it does again tongue-in-cheek uh but I think what makes it a definitive bunny buxom number is very, very fast motions mm-hmm. <laughs> accented by moments of complete stillness uh, and the inverse, like stillness accented by like very, very fast motions. Like I do that a lot, like fast, fast, slow, fast, fast, slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what my style is. If I had to pick a particular like, this is what I do. I mean, so. <laughs> I mean that's it's funny because it's hard to like when people ask you to describe yourself. That's when you're just like, uh, uh yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I take my clothes off on stage. <laughs> yeah, it's I fun. Do the You'll thing. like it. <laughs> um, yeah. But so I guess I want to ask now. You know, I, I always like to talk about what's coming, and I'll give you a, t- a time at the end of the show to plug the shows coming up because um, yes. this will air two weeks from now. Cool. But um, what's what, is there anything that you haven't tried that you want to try? Whether it's something within burlesque or outside of burlesque. <laughs> uh, recently, I... All right, so I'm a bit of a creep. And I really like Halloween stuff. And I have <laughs> way too many Halloween acts as it is. Like, uh-huh. like too many. I, Halloween is generally my busiest season. October sure. is my busiest month because I have so many acts. And I still don't really find time to like do all of them because I have too many. And I got the idea to learn how to stilt walk just so I can do a Slenderman act. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> which would be awesome, right? And terrifying. And terrifying, which is perfect because that's that's great. That's the other thing. I have all these like fun, sexy, upbeat acts, and I have all these slow burn acts, and then I have a whole collection of these like creepy weirdo skulls and spiders and, yeah. and self-eating cannibals, and like it doesn't... It doesn't make sense. It's right. very eclectic. <laughs> so, but I think having that variety. Well, because like, and I talked to Victor about this the, on the last show a little bit. Like sometimes burlesque is actually. I feel like I've talked to every performer about this at one point or another. Is like it's sometimes it's about being silly and engaging the audience. Sometimes it's about you engaging yourself. Whether it's to work through something that was hard for you or to creep them out or to make them think. Um, you know, things like that. I think are just as important. Oh yeah. And so. Like, again, the act we were talking about earlier gives me nightmares, but <laughs> it was still one of the most memorable acts I've seen you do because it wasn't sexy. It what I wasn't meant to walk away mm. feeling good. I was meant to walk away feeling something yeah. and to be aware. 
and it worked. Yeah. You know, and I think that's interesting. Or it's like um, Essence Revealed did a Black Lives Matter act that mm. I walked away from feeling so many different things. Yeah. Like, I was just and stunned amongst yeah. all, like, and I think that was so powerful. And I, I just, I appreciate that burlesque can be silly and stupid and ridiculous, but also do that as well. I think that's what makes it such a versatile art form. Oh, I agree. You could pretty much do whatever you want. You could make things that run the gamut of emotions. Yeah. And I think acts that make you feel something are also very important. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hard to put in, a, in, like, the standard show. Sure. I think. But I think that they're nonetheless pretty essential to what burlesque is as an art form Mm -hmm. and because we do base ourselves such in a community aspect Mm -hmm. i think that acts that are Mm self-aware and therapeutic for performers are important for our community yeah for sure. maybe not for our audiences as much but for our community yeah like i have i only have one act that i feel is like Super like personal. hard on yeah. stage, super personal, and like I rarely do it because it's hard to do because right. I'm like I get all the clumps. Um, but I enjoy doing it because I feel like like I did the thing. I, yeah. I overcame a fear to do something that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing, but I know was important to do. And at the time I made it, when I was going through shit like everyone is, like this was important time in my life. Yeah. So now doing it. I feel like that energy is in that act. And if I do it on stage, like maybe a audience member will feel that vibe and then I'll help them through it. Yeah. Or whatever. Maybe I'm just taking my clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think that like, that's important to have acts that are, that are strong in some way or like mm-hmm. scary in some way. The Ron Ed act from the fire walk with me yeah. show. I don't necessarily feel the same about that because it's uh, a reference number. Right. It's just run out walking down the train tracks, but it is kind of a nice reminder. Like Twin Peaks is so funny. It's about like horrible, brutal rape and murder. Yeah, like uh, and, and and to watch that, yeah. like, like and I'm sure men and women will take it all sorts of different ways. But as a man, I viewed it this one yeah. way where it just made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, and it, that's the point of that, right? One, really. Well, it kicks <laughs> up my I want to. Part of it kicks up part of the I want to rescue that person or help that person yeah. part of me, and then it also kicks up the oh my god, I hate everybody else that's not yeah. me. And so, like, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that, and I appreciate being made to feel those things because they're important, yeah. and I think it really gives you a sense of self too. Yeah. Because if you watch that act and go, oh, cool, that's awesome, like, yeah, like that's no, not that's, what that that's about. Fucked up. Yeah, that act, I guess, is is kind of hard for me to do sometimes as well, just because it is, it's like about a woman who was raped. Well, and, and like, you're acting. You're, yeah. you're playing her, which is why the act yeah. is so unnerving because I, I get a sense that you're embodying the character. Yeah. And and who I am as a person and where my morality and my views lie. And, mm-hmm. Like, I have very, very strong feelings about sexual harassment and assault and rape. Mm-hmm. So to portray a woman that has been through those things, I mean, I've been through those things, so to portray that on stage is to be like... That's yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, uh, I try not to put that much of uh, myself in it though, because right, I do sort of portray a character. Um, it's not as personal as the other act I was talking about before, but it definitely is supposed to make the audience uncomfortable and to remind them, like, yeah, this show's about rape. Doesn't rape suck, you guys? Yeah, so. which is pretty much what that act does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I appreciate and enjoy the fact also that you 
you're, you have a message for your shows. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a show that doesn't have a message. Oh, no, not at all. But I appreciate that you do because it, it's a place for people to go. Like your newest show or one of your newest shows, your, I believe it's, what is it, bi- oh, Quarterly? It's the quarterly, The yeah. Resi- Resistance mm-hmm. Burlesque. And so that, of course, is born out of the times we're living in. Yes. And, and a way to express ourselves and to fight back, you know. Um, I, the week he got elected, I built a playlist called We Fight Back and made a collaborative so people could throw music in. And I'm like, what do you listen to when you're angry or yeah. want to rock out or vent or rage? Yeah. And, you know, we all work through our art to experience mm-hmm. the things around us. Um, and I'm guessing that show was born out of that. Um, oh, absolutely. And it, it, I want to ask, does it help? And I mean, the short answer is yes. But, mm. you know, um, when you're building for a show like that, that you're performing in, are you uh, fitting acts that you already have that have that message to that show? Or are you creating brand new acts for a show like that? Um, okay, well, I'm going to do some backstory first. Sure. So the first ever Rabbit Hole production uh, was a benefit for Hollaback. I remember that, yeah. So I started out, again, with a body positive, sex positive, feminist message in mind. And for our anniversary every year we'll do a benefit show for right. whatever causes in need so we've done holler back we've done planned parenthood we've done black lives matter and resistance which is again quarterly uh just launched in in uh march because yeah <laughs> uh and that show half of the proceeds will go to another organization that's in need. awesome so like that's part of like again the kind of rabbit hole model without right. doing like a full-on benefit like people still like get paid and yeah. like you know money still goes places like that's the thing um i think it helps because it gives the audience a sense that they're doing something because mm-hmm. it's really really exhausting being aware and being like a, a social justice warrior and like caring about what's happening politically and environmentally and like whatever the fuck else. It's like, it's so, so, so exhausting. Yeah. And that's on top of the normal wear and tear of being a woman. Yeah. On top of the normal wear and tear of like if you're a POC, like those, yeah. that's microaggressions all over the place. So I think that doing shows where you can just go and like still enjoy yourself. Yeah. Without having to go physically march or without having to call your senators or whatever the case may be. That helps because it's a combination of um, an act of resistance and mm-hmm. an act of doing something positive while still being self-care via entertainment and community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that does help a lot. Act-wise, a lot of people made new acts. <laughs> After this, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, since November. So there is a nice pool of people that I could pick from. You know, I have a whole running list of people who have political acts and what mm-hmm. they are. Myself, uh the act I was talking about that is hard to do, yeah. which actually I'm just going to, I mean, why am I being so secretive? Uh, it's about the faces that women wear on a mm-hmm. daily basis mm-hmm. and about how uh, people, but women in particular, have to wear like masks on or the regular. So mm-hmm. it's like a mask act and whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, again, I think it's hard to do because it feels very exposed mm-hmm. and that act will be in the show because that's, that's political. That's something. Yeah. That's like when I'm in this setting, I have to present myself as this. Yeah. Or like when I'm when I'm walking home at night and I'm being followed and I'm freaked out, I have to appear brave. Yeah. Otherwise, something bad's going to happen. Sure. And like that's a mask because it's protection. Yeah. So like masks as protection and masks as, as like protection from the outside world, but also for our like internal selves, mm-hmm. I think. I think that fits in the show theme. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, the first 
resistance, I did uh, my Pussy Power Act, which is uh, it's like it's a fan dance. It's yeah. all about how awesome pussies are. Yeah. Yeah. If you got it and you identify with it, awesome. If not, that's cool too. <laughs> I love mine. I identify with it, so I'm like, this thing is powerful. Well, I always appreciate it. I believe it was Doc Wasabosco who started calling people scrotums instead of pussies because scrotums are way uglier oh to God. look at. And I have one, so I know. <laughs> and so it's like, I feel like, not that I guess I wouldn't know if I didn't have one. Anyway, but but I thought that was brilliant. Or maybe it's, I, I forgot. I, and if I'm paraphrasing you, Doc, I apologize. Correct was me. It, was it that they're weaker yeah. yeah and it's like oh it was yes he, he called people either nutsacks or scrotums because they're way more sensitive than pussies way more sensitive and so I, I always thought that that was very funny um, you know and, and going back to what you were talking about though like about being socially aware and, and, and being a social justice warrior you know I'm very open and understanding to the fact that I can be ignorant and that I don't know everything mm. like I, be, I went from being with uh, friends with a handful of women who were publicly stripping to hordes of people who are publicly stripping mm-hmm. and became so much more aware of street harassment and all of those things. And A, of course, wanting it to stop, but B, realizing how common it was. Because, like, growing up a guy, growing up a white guy, yeah. um, you know, the occasional confrontation due to being Jewish or a nerd, but beyond that, mm-hmm. like, obviously, I have no idea about a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and all of the microaggressions that are out there. And all I want to do is fix it all, which, of course, I can't. Yeah. Um, you know, but I enjoy being an advocate for those that I can be, you know, without yeah. ta- without making it about me, you know. Yeah. And always trying to walk that line. But what I appreciate about the burlesque community, if you're interested to learn and understand, people will teach you. Yeah. Which I think is really great. Like, yeah. I've come forward plenty of times and said, well, I don't understand this thing, or I, I want to know more about this thing. And yeah. people don't just look down on you like, idiot. Like, yeah. they, pe- we want to be a success, and uh-huh. we want to help each other. And I think that's been really great also and really powerful about the burlesque community. Because, you know, I didn't know anything about street harassment, of course, being a guy. Yeah. You know, um, although I have been harassed on the street, but obviously not to the same extent. So to see it, publicly and so commonly mm-hmm. is infuriating and enraging for me and I'm sure it's even more <laughs> so for women yeah um and I just I appreciate that education that this community has gotten me also because given me because I think that I'm more socially aware now because of that yeah. you know I've learned through other people's experiences I think that's super important and I like the idea of just like asking people in particular like or in general like can someone help me with this yeah because like you know, sometimes people don't also have the emotional strength or, or to just be like, I can't explain this to you today. Right. But, like, someone can. Yeah. You know, so that's also nice to just have it be a general community that you can pose a question to. Um, I mean, I'm still learning. We're yeah. all, Everyone's always still going to be learning. Like, there are things I definitely can be way more well-versed on. And yeah. when it comes to instances that I know I'm probably not an expert on, like... Like, I feel like I'm an expert on student harassment. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I, I feel... But, like, I may not be as much about other things. So I'm like, I'm just going to shut up and listen. Yeah. Because there are people talking who know about it and who have feelings. Yeah. And I can learn by listening. So I think that's also an important um, an important thing to do as an ally is, like, just listen. Yeah. Like, it's important to amplify voices and it's important to pass the mic over. But it's important to just continue to learn. And by just listening yeah i know crazy concept i can't say it enough yeah no and uh well it's like my one of the most specific burlesque instances i can think of where i learned something i didn't really know about is the first time i met hard crimson Mm -hmm. i knew nothing about the pronoun they and Mm -hmm. people going by they and them and 
I said her to her several times, and then she just said to me really politely, Matt, look, I know we just met. I prefer they, um, they, them. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just the pronoun I go by. And I've still made mistakes since, yeah. but they they don't correct me like I'm an idiot. They know that I want to learn and that I am interested. Yeah. And it's not like I'm doing it because I don't get it because I don't want to get it. No, it's more habitual. Yeah. I think with things like that, uh, like being forgiveness is really important. Yeah. Like, like I forgive you for not calling me the correct pronoun and like I'm not going to get mad at you for it because yeah. you didn't know because like, you know, like that kind of thing. But at the same time, like, you know, that's don't who be they are. About it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think, I think just people, I think people yeah. just want to work together and get along yeah, and work understand. Yeah, get along. Like you'll encounter people who don't. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, you're an asshole. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that happens sometimes. I think, uh, yeah. I think it's, I think people just have to respect each other yeah. a lot more. I think it, it, it's less common than I'd like that people don't respect each other and that people jump to assumptions or people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's one thing if you've had a bit, bad experience with someone specific and so you don't like that person because of your specific experience with them and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's different. different. Then going into a situation, guns blazing as to why you don't want to call someone they, like yeah. that's, like that's problematic. Like yeah. why is it so hard for you to call someone they? It yeah. literally is... The same amount of syllables. It's yeah. not doing any. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, that in particular, so. Yeah. Um, let's go back to talking about you and your career and your plans for the future. So besides creating a wrestling show that's going to be incredible, <laughs> um, that's in July. Um, what kind? Are there kinds of shows that you have not produced yet that you really want to? Also, are there um, specific performances that you're looking forward to, places you're looking forward to going, or have never been but want to go? Well, for for Rabbit Hole, Resistance yeah. is on the 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be benefiting Planned Parenthood. Awesome. <laughs> which seems to be very much yes. in need. Uh-huh. Uh, July 7th is Tasselmania. I'm very, very, very excited for that show. And I can't <laughs> wait to start sharing the promo for that either because yeah. that was a fun photo shoot. Uh, after that, then we have Talents and Teases every second Thursday. Mm-hmm. And alternating months it's rabbit hole productions presents which is the theme show or up the rabbit hole which is non-theme show uh every third thursday and both of those third thursday shows at the slip room (laughs) (laughs) need a calendar um i like i said i really like producing theme shows Uh but i got a little burnt out on themes yeah because i also go really hardcore and i'm like (laughs) well it's Nickelodeon, so the entire playlist has to be theme songs and songs from the 90s like all that it gets it gets to be a lot and it gets redundant, and then, you know. Uh, so I started wanting to do just, like, not theme shows, just mm-hmm. kind of regular bump and grind, just straight-up strip tease, mm-hmm. um, which is what Talons and Tease is, and which is what Up the Rabbit Hole is. <laughs> I think I just made myself laugh with my own show name. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's special. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate um, that. And then the July rabbit hole presents is the musical oh yeah excellent so everything's gonna be based on musicals so so, so the first thing i want to ask is have you either spoken to or booked um sapphire jones's hamilton act honestly right now i can't remember because i'm so focused (laughs) i'm so focused on the show week from today and two weeks from today and three of course um but that's the, the, but yeah. That's really cool that you're doing musicals. And so, do you feel like 
you want to do more shows? Do you want to? Are you satisfied with the amount of shows you're doing right now? I think right now I'm satisfied with what I'm doing. Uh, I'm sure I will get struck with an idea and like can't wait and then do it. Like that's gonna happen. Of course. Um, I've been toying with the idea of producing a big Halloween show. Because, sounds like you would love it that. Sounds like something I would do, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'm pretty satisfied on the producing front. I just want to keep striving to to create bigger and better shows and have bigger and better audiences and bigger and better performers and, you know, everything, everything bigger and better. Um, just performing wise, I'm really excited to go to New Orleans next week, but I guess this is going to air after that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to San Francisco in August and I'll be part of the Hubba Hubba Review. I'm very awesome. excited for that. Uh, I'm going to Austin in September. I'm really excited for that. So... Yeah, most I'm really excited for the traveling shows, and I keep, I like I even though I don't really like traveling like traveling that much, I'm still excited for the shows I get to do out of town because I get to see my out of, my out of town friends, and yeah. I get to make more out of town friends, <laughs> and I get to see someplace new, and it's cool to have a little like map and be like I'm stripped here and here and here, so <laughs> all that is very fun. Um, I'm looking forward to to all those performances. Um, and speaking of your map of where you've stripped, is there somewhere you've not stripped that you really want to strip? Or just a place you really want to visit that you've not been to yet? Uh, I think I'm like trying to check them off this year. Yeah. New Orleans and... And, uh, and San Francisco. And San Francisco. Well, you know, California. Because yeah. like, I'd love to go and do LA. Like that's, a, that's another thing. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. I want to go to Europe. Of course, sure. Who doesn't, right? I want to go to Europe too. Yeah. Um, and I guess the the last thing I ask, and I, you know, it's cheesy, but I think it's important, is uh, if there's anyone either burlesque or otherwise who's into art and wants to create art and is struggling, what would be your uh, advice to them, other than deciding at five that you want to be a stripper <laughs> and then growing up to be one? Um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's struggling with art, with an artistic endeavor and is looking to move forward with it? Find more inspiration. For burlesque, I feel like it's kind of an easier answer because, mm-hmm. like, go to New York School of Burlesque and take classes and go to a whole bunch of shows and see a whole bunch of shows because there's a million shows in New York and they are <laughs> all so different. Yeah. Like, do you want to see something nerdy? Do you want to see something classic? Do you want to see something, like, bizarre? Like, there's so many different... Uh, aspects of shows so mm-hmm. so being inspired for burlesque i think might be easier than other things <laughs> if you live in new york um otherwise i think you just have to find inspiration like everyone gets stuck yeah and it's just a matter of time before mm-hmm. you clear that hurdle and a matter of like it's that weird thing where if you're looking for it, you may yeah. not find it. So if you kind of just like relax and you're just like, well, I'm just going to go see a show or I'm just going to go to a museum or I'm just going to go see some live music, like all those things help in some way. Even if you're not a musician, going to see live music might help you. Yeah. All right. That's, I think that's really great that's advice. That's what I think. I'm like, so pretty much just go out and support nightlife. Yeah. Go do, go do stuff. <laughs> go, go do stuff. Go, go pay our bills, go, essentially. Exactly. Um, it's like, come to Rabbit Hole. You I'll inspire you. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on my show. Of course. Um, thank you so much for having me. I was so flattered. I'm, uh, you're flattered. I'm <laughs> thankful to have you in my life as a friend. Um, you know, I think that... You're wonderful for the blessed community, but also just wonderful for the people around you. And so it was very important.
important for me to have you on this show. Oh, thanks. Um, the last thing I'll ask you to do is we have a saying on this and my other show, which is music is life and life is good. I would love you to sign us off and do that for me now. All righty. This is Bunny Buxom signing off. Music is life and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.